Good morning, good morning. Please take a seat. Oh, okay. And if you're in year seven, eight, and nine, if you'd like to stand and make your way to switch, that'd be fantastic. So kia ora, good morning. Uh, my name is Rima. Originally, I was supposed to tag team uh, preach with Peter Dooley, but he's chosen to be with his family, sick with COVID instead. So I just want to, so we're gonna, I'm, today I'm going to tag team with Pastor Craig. I just want to get straight into it. Um, also, just to honor what's going to happen in a couple of days' time with Anzac and for those who have passed on. And in particular, those who pay the price with their own life on the battlefield and as well as those who risked, risked their lives and made it home safely, lest we forget. And I can't help but think for some of those soldiers who thought of the thought of, man, here's an opportunity. I can go and travel for free to another country. And the adventure and an opportunity was too good to pass by. And so much was the desire to go for some of those soldiers that after, um, I suppose, there were people who were um, making sure that people were of the right age, you had to be 18 or over. Um, some of them would falsify their age in order to join the army. But after a seven-week boat trip from Aotearoa to Egypt, this, I'm talking about World War I, then onwards to Gallipoli, Turkey, on the 25th of April 1915, the Anzacs landed on a peninsula in Turkey to engage in armed combat. And over the following months, we never sort of forget this or can picture this, but soldiers experienced some of the extreme conditions. Not only was the enemy firing upon them, but they also had to contend with the cold environment. And some developed hypothermia, some developed um, diseases and more. And during that campaign, around 130,000 allies made of British, French, Irish, Indian, and some Turkish who defected over, Australian and New Zealand soldiers died. And I kind of, I kind of think about it now, and I can't help but wonder if I was a civilian and I chose to go, would I have changed my mind, knowing it'll be the last time I'd ever see my family. It'll be the last time I'll see my friends. It'll be the last time I see my country. Man, what a price to pay. But many people don't know that's the same level of sacrifice is required when we signed up to follow Jesus. You know, he didn't hold back when he said this profound statement in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Jesus said this statement like just moments, literally moments after he miraculously fed 5,000 men. That's without the women and children counted as well. 5,000 men. 
And I bet you there'll be some people in there, yeah, whoa, he's the man that provided all this food. We're going to follow him. We're going to follow him no matter what. And yet he says this profound statement. And I love what the Amplified Bible version says. And Jesus, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. If I was to sum it all up, Jesus is basically saying, come and die. Come and die. Come and die? Holy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rima, what did you say? Are you serious? Jesus saying, come and die? You know, it'd be totally fine if he said, you know, come, follow me, put on your woolly jumper, grab some hot chocolate, some Milo, bring some marshmallows, and we're going to toast them on a fire pit every night just for following me. But instead he says, come, take up your cross. And you have to understand the cross was utterly repulsive, and especially for the Jewish people. The cross, I'm sure we've seen, is basically two wooden beams nailed together, an instrument created by the Romans to hang rebels and criminals by their hands and feet. It was a slow, agonizing, torturous death that could take days. The, the cross was intended to publicly humiliate, to mock, and anyone who messed around with the Roman Empire. And at the time, a majority of the people hanging around, excuse the pun, would have been Jewish people. And if you think about it, here's Jesus saying this statement right after he fed 1,000, 5,000 men miraculously. And yet he says, take up your cross, a symbol of Roman oppression. Man, what a nerve. What a nerve for Jesus to say that. You know, it reminds me of back in the day when, when the teachers uh, punished naughty kids. And um, usually two at a time, uh, one person would be holding each side of a big rubbish bin and going around picking up rubbish during the lunchtime. And the punishment usually worked because the kids would walk around with their, with their heads down. And, and it wasn't good, when you, especially when you try and impress your high school crush. You know, I can't have a thing, but sometimes we have this wrong thinking in church when somebody is suffering or experiencing pain in their lives, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not following Jesus. And when people say yes as their Lord, man, it's, it's going to be painful. It's going to be tough. I like, have a look at Luke chapter 6, verse 22. What blessings await for you when people hate you and exclude you and mock and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and everyone who waits, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
Philippians 1.29, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. So I want to pose to you this morning, are you carrying a cross if there's no suffering and no sacrifice? Are you carrying a cross if there's no suffering and no sacrifice? When was the last time you carried your cross? When was the last time it cost you a relationship? I know sometimes uh, being around a bunch of rugby blokes, the jokes can get a bit dirty sometimes. And when was the last time it cost you your career? When was the last time it cost you your holiday? Maybe you've been saving up for a trip to go overseas, but I I remember last week when Pastor Craig said, hey, there's a call out for a missions trip in a few months' time in September. Maybe that could be a cost and a sacrifice that you're willing to pay for God. When was the last time that you were mocked for your faith? So you can say, the cross, can you say to yourself, has the cross, cross, cost me anything? If there's no sacrifice involved, if you're not at least a little uncomfortable, then there's a good chance that you aren't carrying a cross at all. You know, here at Revive, we must get caught up in the false belief that if you come to Jesus, everything will be fine. It's a really bad belief. If you come to Jesus, everything is going to be fine. In other words, come to Jesus. All your problems will float away and return and never return like white, fluffy clouds. You know, I'd be totally foolish to think that I'm always going to be healthy. I'm always going to have a blissful marriage. I'm always going to have money. My wife was always going to clean up after me. My kids are always going to listen to me. Everything I pray for, I'm going to get. But in this fallen world, Christians yeah, do get sick. They do desire, uh, die of diseases like, like cancer. You know, we have car accidents. Our car breaks down and it costs thousands and thousands of dollars into our homes as well. Good things happen to bad people. We go through tough times in our marriage and with our family. We pray for people and sometimes they're not healed. We make bad decisions. People mistreat us and the list can go on and on and on and on. You know, when people come to Jesus based on the everything will be fine theology, when things get tough, they start questioning God because it's, it appears that he isn't holding up his end of the bargain. And I just want to be, I want, to, want you to get this next thing. Be careful. Be careful what draws you to Jesus doesn't cause you to leave him. Be careful what draws you to Jesus doesn't cause you to leave him. So if you come to Jesus for an easy life and things start turning into custard, you, you'll be gone, burgers. And I've been around plenty of dead people around funerals and at Tangi. I've seen dead people lying in their coffins and it's quite common in the Maori culture. And I've never ever in my whole life on this planet seen a dead person worried about their finances, nor the outcome of a dispute with their employer, or the 
or anything else that really matters here on this planet. Death is the ultimate surrender of yourself and all that you have. And when you're dead, you're no longer concerned with your life. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. Give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I, want to cut, I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. I think it's pretty clear. Jesus came so that you could die. Jesus came so that you could die. And the final point I want to touch on, Jesus says, take up your cross daily. It's not a one-time decision. It's a day after day after day after day. Even the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. I die daily. One of the best men of God to ever lived says, I die daily. So day after day, pick up the cross and die to ourselves. Here is the key in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Only the, verse, oh, this, the first verse after the taking up the cross. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's only by dying to ourselves that we truly find, when we finally let go of our lives, we find real life in Christ. For those who aren't sold up for Jesus, dying for Jesus won't make sense. In Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 says, For the message of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, thus, for, to us that are saved, it is the power of God. You see, when, we give, when people give up their life, it's wrong to think our lives will be miserable. But when we die to ourselves and completely surrender to him, we discover true life. You see, by giving up our life, it gives us the life we so desperately wanted all along. I was going to finish with this testimony. I know it's really short. Nearly 10 years ago, uh, Anna and I had the opportunity to own our first home. And it's not because we were super rich or anything like that. So, um, we were su successful with the uh, government with applying for a home ownership application and so on. But the problem is that we had to live in a certain area of, of this country, of Auckland, which ultimately means that we had to, um, uh, being here uh, would mean that attending this church will be too difficult. So we presented the situation to leadership here at the time, and, and after considering what we believed God had for us, Anna and I both agreed that the best thing was to remove our application. And since then, as some of you know, we, we've moved across the car park here. And for many years, many, many years, 10 years ago, I've held in my heart, you owe us, Lord, where are you? We did this for you. Where's the house that we've always given up? You owe us big time. And 
enterprise to sacrifice our dream of home ownership. And so where's our house? And it's been awesome. Oh, pretty tough. But it's been awesome in such a way where our kids have grown up here in this house. In a few um, uh, weeks ago, God spoke to me. Hey, Rimmer, I have provided a house. And plus with financial benefit. You have a roof over your head. It's warm. Look at your kids. Look at your friends. Look at your brothers and sisters here. I'm looking at you now. Maybe you're watching me. In this house, you are blessed. I got so caught up in the cross that I forgot who I was supposed to follow. In other words, I think we can get so fixated on what we don't have, we miss out, totally miss out what's in front of our faces. And the last thing, following Jesus isn't easy, but it's absolutely worth it. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14 says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus leaves us a, cute, a clue in this scripture saying that the narrow gate is the way to go. It's not the pretty gate. It's not the one that everybody usually goes through, it's the one that most people miss. And you can expect a tough path and seldom walk by others through the narrow gate. It crosses through death, but it actually leads to life. All of the upside down teachings of Jesus, I think this is the one that confuses all of us the most, is that the way to life is through death, and the way to death is through life, that to die is to gain and to live is to not. And there's two different paths that he describes here, Jesus. He says narrow or difficult or marked by death, but it brings life. And the other is broad and crowded and marked with life, but it leads to death. And as Rimmer has already mentioned in Matthew 16, where it says, if you're my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow me. You're going to deny yourself. And here's the crazy thing. If I've noticed something about dead people, is I don't seem to care too much, as what Rimmer said, about what others think of them. They don't seem to care how they're dressed, if their hair is right, if they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. See, dead people don't complain. Are you hearing me? When Jesus speaks of dying to ourselves, what is he actually talking about? Is he talking about us all going home and, I don't know, drinking rats poison or something? I don't know. What does he mean? Now it means to be dead to all the stuff that this world has to offer and to only be alive to everything that he has to offer. You can't reconcile the kingdom of this world with the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. You're not of the kingdom of this world, you're of the kingdom of heaven. And they operate really differently. And the journey requires a completely different way of looking at the world. It's not natural, and it doesn't come easy, but it's the way that God designed it. And we have to decide if we're going to live for ourselves or whether we're going to die to ourselves. You must enter into the narrowest of gates, travel through the roughest of roads, 
and carry the cross on which you're prepared to die. That's what he's calling us to do. And if you do all of that, sincerely follow the steps of Jesus, the craziest thing will happen. You'll actually find the one true life. You see, the cross actually saves you from going into the wrong places. If I was walking around with a physical cross on me and I rock up to the nightclub, the bouncer's going to go, bro, you can't come in here with that. You, you, you imagine on the dance floor, whacking people in their heads. There's a cross that's just smacking people everywhere. It saves you from going into all the wrong places. See, the problem why we sometimes get into the wrong situations in life is because we leave the cross in the car or we leave it at home while we go into the wrong places. But the Bible says this, if we would carry our cross daily, then it will save us from walking into the wrong places and making the wrong decisions and having the wrong friendships or the wrong people and standing in the wrong situations because you can't go into some of those situations carrying a cross because people are going to go, whoa, what is that on your back? What, what is that? Are you hearing me today? Jesus, to me, gives the most striking example of what it looks like to deny yourself. In John 13, when he washes the disciples' feet, John tells us prior to this occasion of washing the feet that, that Judas has already decided to betray Jesus, that the devil has already convinced Judas to do it. And in verse 3 of chapter 13, it says this, it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The interesting thing here is that before we get to the washing of the feet, Jesus understood exactly who he was. He understood his divine identity. He understood where he had come from and where he was going to. He knew that he was God. He knew that he was all-powerful and that all of heaven and earth was at his command. And understanding this, he allowed himself to be betrayed, to be taken, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be whipped, to be given a false trial and be crucified. Even though his status was the highest of highs, he took up the lowest of lows, the most humble posture anyone could ever take, and he began to wash the feet of a man who arranged his death. John 13, the story goes on, and it says, so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, what Jesus was doing here was actually a job for, for a slave. This is not the job for Jesus. This is what slaves did. Slaves would wash the feet of people as they came into the house. They would take care of it all. But Jesus here is taking care of the grime on the feet of the one who has already betrayed him. This speaks to me is that not only must we serve the people that we love and admire and that we can get along with easily in life, but dying to myself means serving those I don't really like, I don't really understand, and even those who have hurt me and betrayed me. If Jesus can wash the feet of Judas, then it's time for you and me to come to the end of ourselves and follow his example. Jesus hung on the cross and interceded before God for men who crucified him, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he bled and slowly suffocated, he asked God to forgive his executioners. Jesus was at the end of his ministry life. He was at the end of his earthly life. He was at the end of himself. But he knew that he was at the beginning of something that changed everything. At the end of death and suffering and sacrifice always comes the beginnings of resurrection. And this is why when we die to ourselves, we actually find life. Because on the other side of death is always resurrection. And in order to serve those that's hardest to serve, we have to die to yourself and find, and you'll find the most surprising and transforming blessing is to forgive those that have hurt you. You'll escape the miserable grip on your life because of the pain that you have suffered, and it will release you from a self-imposed prison sentence. Jesus washed the feet at the very moment He's, he might have been caught up in his own problems. I don't know about you, but, you know, I got a thousand problems and washing your feet ain't one of them. Yes. At a moment that he could have been completely caught up in himself and his issues and his problems and all the tough stuff that was happening in his world right now, Jesus put all that, one, all that aside to what? To wash people's feet. At a moment where he should have been caught up in himself, he was only caught up in others. You see, when life isn't going well and you want to put on your pajamas, get some comfort food, and have some time to yourself. Come on. That, that was a day. Yesterday was a day for that. Eh? Well, it was raining. Come on, can I get... I had a, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a packet of chips on the couch watching a movie. How many people had chocolate yesterday? Put your hand up. Be honest. Yeah, I see all the women in this place, eh? Here's the thing. Self-absorption is a poor medicine. Being self-absorbed is a poor medicine. Tough times don't feel natural for serving others, yeah? But it's amazing how healing it is to serve someone else in the midst of incredible difficulties. Jesus did exactly the opposite of pampering oneself. He pampered others. The healthiest thing you can do in rugged waters is to serve someone else. Jesus teaches us in this moment to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves. But that doesn't ever become easy, as Rimmer has already said. Each day you climb out of bed, it's a new day, but you're still human. The old you is still with you, yes? The old self gets out of bed with us and as you get older, all of a sudden you find out just sleeping can injure you while you're awake, while you're asleep. And we have to put Christ on as an act of will over and over and over again. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I get up in the morning, I don't feel like coming into the office. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like ministering to people. I feel like just having a day to myself, being all about me. Just doing what I want to do. I don't want to have to follow people up and make sure they're okay. I have days like that, but I have to choose. Well, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. In verse 14, it says this. It says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
The verb for washing indicates an ongoing, continual action. Jesus is not saying that this is a one-off scenario, but this is an ongoing thing that you need to do. You need to exercise this daily. He's saying from now on. He's saying basically the end of yourselves is at the towel. The end of you is when you pick up the towel. When you serve, you encourage and you bless others. The crazy thing is, is that Jesus is saying is that the way to life is through death. And the only way that you can learn that is by doing what it commands you to do. And when I come to the end of me, when I deny myself, I am freed from the tyranny of loneliness, of self-absorption. I've died to that. I think Paul said it best when he says, to die is to live as Christ. If I can get Maddie to jump on the keys, that would be cool. I want to challenge you today as we remember the Anzacs, people that never knew you, never met you, that went and laid their lives down for all of us. No greater gift has anyone than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus is saying, hey, 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 you need to do this. Not physically, but you need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and you need to follow me daily. And when you come to the end of you, when you come to the place where you are denying yourself, you're to look around at work, at home, at church, and where you live, and find ways to set aside the comfort of the bathrobe and pick up the uncomfortableness of the towel. And to look for how I can serve. Dying to myself, reaching the end of me is meant to be a daily decision and a daily demonstration. Not just a decision, but a demonstration. I apologize to every single person that's here today. And I apologize to everybody watching online that the church worldwide has done a really, really bad job, I believe, in the last decade of not actually explaining what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart. Why? Because you're going to lose heart sometimes because life is hard. And he never said he'd take away the hard stuff. In fact, it says this in James, yes? Consider it pure joy where you endure many trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith, in other words, your faith will be tested. You will have times where you question whether God is who he says he is. You will have times where you question whether he actually does what he says he's going to do. Your faith will be tested, but consider it pure joy because at the end of that, you'll be perfect and lacking in nothing. Why? Because the perfect life of following Christ is when we die to ourselves and we live for Him. Why we still got a bit of us that we're living for, we're never fully living for Him. Is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Yes. Denying ourselves, or said another way, and this is how I like to say it, loving others. You can even look at it as denying yourself, or you can look at it as loving others. Picking up the towel and loving others isn't an occasional option. It's a way of life that casts its influence over every single day that you live. It's God's way of ushering in His kingdom house by house, 
face by face, moment by moment. It's a daily dying. And every time I come to the end of me, I discover what I deeply wanted all along. And that is the real abundant life of God. Jesus always does things if you My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And the best way to live is to die to ourselves and to live for Him. And as Rimmer already said, that's what He does. He bids you to come and die. To leave you behind, but to live for Him. To be all He created you to be. I remember when I was five years of age, um, I had my birthday, and it was a pirate-themed birthday party. And my dad decided to set up a bunch of clues, and he buried a treasure in the backyard somewhere, and I had to follow all these clues to find this buried treasure. And I was excited about that because I was five. And I went around and I went about and followed all the clues and I had like three or four of my friends with me and we're all running around trying to find this and discover this buried treasure. And then when I opened, when I finally found it and opened up the box inside it was all these crunchy bars, like gold bars. They couldn't afford the gold, so but we had crunchy bars. And as I don't know why I thought about that, that memory this week, but as I felt the Lord speaking to me, as I felt Him say this, the greatest treasures are always the ones that are buried that you have to dig up to find. the greatest treasure for the kingdom is someone who has died to themselves and been buried so that God can dig you up and find the great treasure that has been created in you because you've died to self. And not only is it a treasure for him, but it's a treasure for everyone. Because when we die to ourselves and we put the bathroom to one side and we pick up the towel, Everybody else benefits from our death. Are you hearing me today? Because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment this morning? And I want to ask you today. I just think of this day where we, we were 
remembering the Anzacs, people that laid down their lives for the revival and freedom, that it would be a really, really cool opportunity for us this morning to not physically lay down our lives, but to say, hey, I, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow him because there are people that need to be saved. Those men gave up their lives so that we could live. We need to give up our lives so that others can live. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I've never done that. Maybe you don't even, you've never given your life to God. Or maybe you have, but you've just really lived for yourself. If you're honest and today, you're like, man, I want to come back to him. I want to, I want to deny myself. I want him to come and cleanse me of my sins, set me free, get me on the right track again. Or maybe you've never, ever said, hey, God, forgive me for my sin. I want to give you an opportunity this morning that you will truly come alive when you let yourself go and you start to let him live in you. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ or you need to make a recommitment because if you're honest with yourself, you've really been living for yourself for such a long time and you're like, man, I want to get back on track with God. God's not angry. God's not upset with you. He is waiting with open arms saying, hey, this is what I died for so that you can be set free. And if you're here today and you're like, man, pray, would you pray for me that God would come and set me free, free me from my sin so that I can live for Him? Why don't you put up your hand right now in this place and as I see it, I ask you to put it down. Is anybody like that this morning? They want to give their life to God and they want to recommit themselves. Thank you, thank you. Is anybody else this morning that wants to do that? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray for those that lifted their hands. And then I want to pray for you. If you lifted your hand this morning, then I just want you to pray along with us. We're, I'm just going to pray and you can pray along with us. Just ask God to come into your, come into your life. Come and be Lord of your life. And then I'd love you to fill out the lift connected card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. Just tick the box that says, you know, I made a decision for grace today. Just get someone to send you an email and follow up and see how we can help you walk this journey with Jesus because it's not easy, but it's worth it. So why don't we pray for those that lifted their hands this morning? Come on, church, let's do this. Father, we thank you right now for those that are lifting their hands this morning. Maybe for the first time to say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Or maybe they're coming back to you this morning. God, I pray right now that as they pray in their own where they are right now that they would sense your forgiveness that sense your grace your mercy, your goodness that you bring healing upon their lives right now that you break off all the negative thought patterns all the negative words that have been spoken of them that you break off the shame and the condemnation that they may be carrying around and you will set them free today in Jesus name and for all of us God, that are here when we're like, you know what, God, I want to live for you now. I want to, I want to be able to live in such a way where I deny myself, I pick up my cross. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be days where I fail, and there's going to be days where I succeed. But the intention of my heart is to be somebody who dies daily. God, I pray, come and strengthen them right now. In Jesus' name, bring strength into their lives in such a way that they'll start to see the benefits of dying to themselves, that it will be reflective in their workplaces, reflective in their families, reflective everywhere that they go, that people would ask them and they'd say, there's something different about you. There's something in your life that I don't have that I want. And it would be a great opportunity for us, God, to see dead people come alive everywhere we go as we come alive as we die to ourselves. 
Thank you, God, for the Anzacs. Thank you for those that laid down their lives for us. May we be people that lay down our lives for others. We put down the bathroom, God. We pick up the towel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for coming out today. Please pray for, there's quite a few people in our church that have got COVID at the moment. Even our son Seth has got it at the moment. And, uh, but you know, he's been trying to give it to me, but still haven't got it yet. And uh, it's probably because I'm so holy and scared of me. I'm not sure. But let's be praying for those that are going for it for a second time or a third time that God will be with them. And, uh, you know, please pray for my dear friend Graham and his family. Um, as you know, we did the funeral of his granddaughter on Friday and they did so well and they're so strong but let's pray that God's comfort would come alongside them and be with them and also for, for Jenny Tonkin as well she, her mum passed away a couple of weeks ago as well and just you know, there, are, there are people everywhere for our lives that just need our love and our they need us to be the towel not in a bathroom but to be picking up the towel and loving on them why don't you stick around have tea and coffee with us. I think there are Anzac biscuits out there for everybody. And um, we'll see you all next week. God bless.